Welcome to the Holding Hands at Throwing Fist podcast. I got the mic. And I have the opinions. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and listeners, welcome to Holding Hands at Throwing Fist season eight, episode six. Tomorrow marks three years since the first event that we recorded a podcast about UFC 244 in MSG, which was Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal for the BMF title. It took me a month to figure out how to post, but babe, happy anniversary. (laughs) 120 episodes and it's still going. That's incredible. I'm really proud of us. I'm also really proud because... It's episode six, and this week is your birthday coming up, November 6th, so it is a special number, Mm -hmm. and 120 episodes in, and we're still getting new listeners. Erin just listened to our podcast for the first time. Oh, wow. Did she listen to the Minneapolis episode? Yeah, like... If you liked it, don't listen to anything else because it doesn't sound like anything else we've ever done. But if you were like, this is crazy, listen to our other shit. We got a lot of good feedback. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to keep that that role of live recording going. Great. Great thinking. We're just going out there. This is going to be a good episode. I feel it. Do you feel it? Don't jinx it. No, we'll get started then. All right. I'd like to kick off my story this week with a look back at Frankie Edgar's career. Frankie Edgar has revealed that after his fight at MSG for UFC 281 on November 12th, he's going to retire. And now, just like flashback to what George just said, we started recording for UFC 244. We're up to UFC 281 with umpteen fight cards in between the two. Umpteen. Umpteen. Do you know how many that is? It's a good number. It is. Um, so this information was the impetus behind my amazing and thoughtful decision to use my segment today to discuss his career. Frankie. JK kinda. I couldn't decide what I really wanted to focus on and George rightfully encouraged this deep dive into Frankie Edgar's career. He deserves it. So let's go. Frankie Edgar is a lightweight fighter from Tom's River, New Jersey. And so we've always rooted for him for that reason alone. Along with that, his nickname is The Answer, which I think is pretty great because I have never known what the question was <laughs> that is fantastic it's incredible if he retires i feel like i should be able to pick up this nickname if i wanted it and the answer yeah i think that's pretty good babe. It's, it's an option so frankie edgar started his mma career in 2005 with a nine fight win streak and having three of those fights in the ufc already where his career has remained since Frankie has beaten some notable fighters such as Jim Miller, BJ Penn three times, former champ Charlie Olives, Cubby Bear, Uriah Faber, Chad Mendez, Jeremy Stevens. You guys all know the guy that Conor McGregor said, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. Uh, Pedro Munoz and he had a trilogy with Gray Maynard where he lost the first fight they had a draw in the second fight and then Frankie won the third fight classic the first win against BJ Penn was in 
2010. And that's when he won the lightweight championship belt. So Frankie and Edgar is a former champ. And he went on to defend or retain his belt for three fights, ultimately losing the belt to ben- Benson Henderson. Frankie has had a long career definitely filled with his share of losses, but you never hear any bullshit surrounding him. In 2020, Frankie made his bantamweight debut and beat Pedro. Unfortunately, he went on to lose to both Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Chito Vera. However, if you've been listening to our podcast at all recently, you know both Corey and Marlon are like the next generation of fighters coming to take over. And you also know the bantamweight division is fucking crazy competitive and interesting right now. Remember, Aljamain Sterling beat TJ Dillashaw two weekends ago to retain his belt. So the fact that um, Frankie lost to Corey and Marlon are not a big deal. I'm positive that George has some deeper insight because one, his memory is better. And two, um, his memory is better. So what what do you need to add about our boy Frankie Edgar, babe? George inserts his opinions here, but reads my notes below so that he doesn't steal any of my thunder. You fucker. (laughs) (laughs) You'll read whatever's on the teleprompter. No, you're not. I know George. I know he wants to say some of the things that I'm still going to share. Did you you mention, my only thing that I want to say is, did you mention what year his first fight in the UFC was? I didn't mention the year of his first year. But I would also like to say you're sitting fucking right next to me. You could have listened to me. I did listen to you. (laughs) But did you say... That it was UFC 67? You didn't say that. Sure didn't. So we're at UFC, what, 281, you said, and I listened to you? <laughs> UFC 67. Not so. That's fucking 33 UFCs before 100. <laughs> and remember, there's umpteen in between all there's the numbers. Umpteen. And just remember, for you holding hands and throwing fist listeners, although we definitely watched UFCs before this, classically... Anna and I watched UFC 100 at and threw a fucking big ass party at Zach's house. <laughs> oh, so I'm sure Jennifer and Miranda were. They there. were. They were. <laughs> and my brother was. That's how fucking long we've been in this UFC game for. Sheesh. I, there's a lot of guys who we know or whatever who are in the industry who remember UFC one changing their lives, but we, that wasn't us. But <laughs> we definitely watched before. But we watched UFC 100 for sure. And I remember UFC 101 is when I was like super paranoid and like super locked in for Fran- um your boy Forrest Griffin Aww. against Anderson Silva. That whole week I was like, this is not going to be good. So we've been at it for a long time. But Frankie's been been at it for even longer exactly <laughs> so special shout outs his first fight in the ufc was on february 3rd 2007 in which we were definitely at biddies <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. city while he was just actually fighting in the ufc oof um so i'm really glad we got to do this shout out before frankie retires and while he does still have one fight left so you can all cheer for him but i wanted to give you some more information about Frankie. He still lives in Tom Tom's River with his wife, who he has been married to for 14 years, and he has kids with the most Italian names ever. Francisco, Santino, and Valentina. Jesus. 
Beat that shit, Sal. (laughs) Uh, Both of his boys are little mini Frankies and they are pretty adorable. Because you all come to holding hands and throwing fists for the fun shit and not just the fighting stuff. In case it isn't obvious to you yet that Frankie is one of the good guys who we all have to be rooting for in his final fight on November 12th. Some fun facts about Frankie include the fact that his boxing coach, Mark Henry, also from Jersey, owns Pino's Pizzeria in Woodbridge, New Jersey. I'm thinking that might be the next holding hands and throwing fists school trip after we see how everyone acts at PFL. We've been talking about school trips for three years to this pizzeria. So it's going to happen. This might be it. And one more fun fact before I end is that before Frankie Edgar's first fight against Gray Maynard, which was in 2008, Frankie was on true life. I'm a mixed martial artist. Are you serious? So serious. And we know all our friends and listeners are old fucks like us so how cool is that dude i definitely watched it then we both we, did, we must have. i have no recollection like everyone listening do any of you remember that paul probably does paul fucking does bro let us know if you remember um and then to keep with the mtv jersey theme going frankie currently hosts a podcast so another way to support him after his retirement and he hosts his podcast with roger matthews who is jay wow's ex-husband and baby daddy raj you raj (laughs) yes their podcast in case you want to listen to it is called the champ and the tramp are they still doing it? Because I remember when it first came out, I had listened to a few episodes Ugh. and then I kind of, I, I, I got lost. So I was like, I wonder if they just like bailed on it. Not I, like holding hands and throwing fists that gives you the consistency. Yeah. Pay us now though. Yeah. Side note. And I should make this like a real ad, but I guess we, we could get there. Holding hands and throwing fists.com. Go check it out. And order things. Yeah. That don't have holding hands and throwing fists logos on them. Carry on, babe. Nope, that's it. Let's go, Frankie Edgar. We really want you to go out on a high note. But after you all heard about his storied career, it doesn't matter what note he goes out on because he's still a good guy. Babe, I'm really happy that we gave Frankie his credit because that's one of the things that Holding the Hands of Throwing Fists is about is really giving people either legends or newbies that people don't know as much, giving them their shine. And next week is going to be a crazy fight week with UFC and MSG. It's going to be, I think, November 14th or whatever it is. Uh, not the 6th. It's the 12th. 13th. I like yeah. said it four times. Did, yeah, 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 my bad. I, I listened to everything else but that. But um, there's going to be so much other stuff that I feel like the Frankie message is going to get a little lost. So right. we got to put it out there. Yeah, we're we love the you, Frankie. Best, huh? Yeah, we are. Number one fucking number one podcast around. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's hear it. <coughs> Let me clear my throat because I'm about to fucking <laughs> preach. Can okay? you put that? Can you put that sound clip in? No. <laughs> no. 
I think this whole season has been leading up to this moment where I could stand up for something that I believe must be changed in the sport that we love. I believe it is incumbent on the UFC as an industry leader to institute this change. And this past Saturday's UFC card, which wasn't terribly exciting, but still great to have a night of fights, Phil Hawes fought Roman Delize. Hawes is a good fighter. Coming into his last fight, this last fight, he had won eight of his last nine, having only recently lost to Chris Curtis on my birthday last year. He also beat your boy, babe, Duran Wynn on our wedding day this year. So at this point, we definitely have an emotional connection to him. So in this fight last Saturday against Roman Delize, Roman grabbed a hold of Phil's foot, fair and square, and in a modified hold knee bar, he popped Phil's knee. We don't know the extent of the injury at the time of this recording, but it it was visibly (laughs) bad and he couldn't stand correctly or put any pressure on it. So the round ends. He goes to his corner. He goes back out and gets brutally knocked out. Babe, I know we saw it live, but I put the link here in case you wanted to pull it up That was so nice because while we did see it live, I forgot. Oh, now I remember. Oof. Yeah. And that's from the still. I'm not going to watch the video. So at the time of watching it live, I was tired and emotional, and it it really fucking upset me because I relate to knee injuries. This dude's knee is destroyed. Almost definitely going to have to have surgery on it, and the corner's not throwing in the towel, and that's when it hit me. The corner throwing in the towel concedes that he will have to receive only half of his pay. This, in the words of Khabib, is number one bullshit. No other fucking sport expects you to continue with an injury as bad as this, and our fucking sport, which is brutal enough, doesn't even bat an eye at sending you out there to fight again. And this ended in the pretty much worst case scenario possible. He was brutally knocked out. Not only is this dude going to have to get an MRI and knee surgery, he's going to have to recover from the head trauma that was not warranted. He's a good fighter. It's very likely he wouldn't have gotten caught as bad if he wasn't as injured, but here we are. And the UFC will say that they'll take care of him and and get get it right, whatever. But structurally, it's not fucking right. There needs to be safeguards put in place to protect this sort of thing from happening. Now, for no reason, my man's... Like, for no freaking reason, my man's has half his pay, a thumped up head, and a fucked up knee. <laughs> Fighters will say it is what it is, but they need to be saved from them themselves. Granted, Delizze deserves credit for the leg lock. And uh, the outro music's on already, so let me cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll give credit where credit is due because I'm a leg lock guy. But fuck, man, if I ever stop watching MMA, it's because of bullshit like this. And they really need to get to the point where a corner can throw in the fucking towel. Shit, the other corner should be able to throw in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a conflict of interest, but whatever. Um, just to, I we've mentioned it in so many previous episodes, but just because you're talking about it right now, I think, could you just clarify what you said when you said that the corner wouldn't throw in the towel because then it concedes that he will only a thousand percent receive half of his pay. I was thinking about it while I was getting possessed by the spirit of the rant. I know, babe, you're fucking standing for something. I'm standing for something, but I didn't really explain the economics behind it as clearly as I could. So thank you for guiding me back. Absolutely. I'm highly effective at questioning. Are you? You took a test on that or something? You got proof? <laughs> I don't have proof. 
So basically, the pay structure of the UFC is still, it's so fucking archaic. And the reason is that it was supposed to provide an incentive for you to go out there and try really fucking hard to win. But those days are over, man. And basically, that pay structure was such that you get paid half of your money to show up and get on the scale and weigh the contracted weight. So basically, to make weight. And the other half is for you to win. So if you lose, you literally lose half of your potential pay. And with all the bullshit that's been going on, I mean, we don't even need to talk about the bullshit that's been going on. We need to talk about the fact that MMA and specifically the UFC is not where it was when we were fucking drinking Bud Lights by the gallon full in 2007 and when Frankie was fighting and shit, you know, it's a totally different sport. These guys are legitimate professional athletes at the highest fucking level and when you throw in the towel, you're basically saying there's no. You, I am making the decision as a coach to make sh- to guarantee that you only get half of your right. pay. So we we bitch about it, and I'm so with you. But you can understand then why a coach wouldn't want to be the person who was basically taking money out of their fighters. Well, I would pockets. I would call it out, and and I'll say it, and I'll stand by this, and also because I know that like. Mike Jaramello, who is my jiu-jitsu coach, he's uh, follow the Happy Pill Project on Instagram and TikTok and everything. Actually, for you TikTok heads, follow it on TikTok because uh, I guess it's get, it got the biggest pop over there. But I fucking idolize and worship my, Mike Jaramello, so I realize I need to be careful what I say because I don't ever want him to listen to this and upset him because I think so highly of him and stuff like that. But this is a point where I, I, I would talk to him about it too and get his opinion because I know he, he probably feels somewhat the same way that I would want to call out coaches and I would want to say mm. you are all not acting in your fighter's interests. Right. That's I really stand by it. I want to be angry at coaches, but really I'm this made me like go above all the coaches. It's not the coaches. It's the fucking UFC that should be taking care of this to figure this out because coaches clearly at least at the UFC level are not doing are not throwing in the towel and I truly honestly believe they should be because yes. the, the the negatives the, what, what, I don't even know because I don't watch any other sport anymore <laughs> but like there's this whole thing with the quarterback I guess of the Dolphins who got one like one concussion or two concussions in back to back weeks and people were like appalled and I'm sure Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and fucking <laughs> all these dudes were talking about it for hours and hours on end but like I saw with this tweet that put it all into perspective, we watch that shit every week and don't bat a fucking right. eye, you know? But that's when people are performing at their best. This guy was so clearly injured. And again, because he he made, he made the mistake of getting caught in a leg lock. It, it was his whole path that kind of started, started it, whatever. Yeah, but, he already lost. Yeah, he had, so already, yeah, he had already lost. It be... But there's too many fucking say like there's too many things. There's not enough safeguards in place. The coaches aren't doing it. I think it's incumbent on the UFC to change the pay structure, and and facilitate a situation where people throw in the fucking towels, man, because it's ridiculous. Otherwise, I'm a fucking start flying to Vegas with a whole box full of towels, <laughs> throwing them in from the audience. The the other thing I think you should add about the pay structure is that when you say the winner both fighters get paid to show up and the winner gets the other half of their pay it's not as though the losers half of their pay goes to the winner 
it's the UFC's money. Yeah. And that's what makes it extra shitty because the other fighter doesn't even get more. They just get their full paycheck. Yeah. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. And then we don't know enough about it. And I'm really just going to do a bad job of paraphrasing Luke Thomas. But essentially there's uh, court released documents that show that the UFC is not colluding but basically saying that they're Mm. aiming as a target of only revenue sharing 20% of the revenue Mm. where every other freaking sport is 50 or 55% or something close to 50 god damn bro yeah fuck you it's insane Uh, we we love the sport but this has to get fixed because this is really bad and I hope Phil Hall's you're you're all right that's very nice we're, we're fans I feel like you should have went first and we should have ended on a more positive note, but we're going positive now. It's time for the holding hands and throwing fists. Classics rundown. All right. I'm going to start. I'm going to keep it going with the bad news. Ah! MMA boo boo. It's a bad week for knees. I already spoke about Phil Hawes' knee pop, but a similar thing happened with Calvin Cater who threw some jumping shit, landed wrong, popped his knee and stopped the fight right there. That was freaking really gnarly. And Calvin, I hope you're good. Calvin Cater is similar to who's the other guy. Corey Sandhagen, two guys who are just like the best of the best. They're just up there, but they're just having bad luck and just, having trouble beating the best of the absolute best 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 um last thing i also want to say that you're no stradamus babe because you actually picked second round tko in that fight and it happened so honestly literally everyone else like professionals picked one of the two fighters in a five round decision i said second round tko should have bet money we also have some MMA fashion this week. It was a great week. Joe Martinez looked really good. Um, he's the Bruce Buffer replacement for when it's a shitty card. <laughs> and George in his notes, but it looks good for once. That's rude. For once? I didn't want to say for once, but he he normally it's, wears boring clothes. It's he's not a boring. Man. They're not boring. He's just not flashy like Bruce Buffer, but he looked extra good this weekend and on the desk we had alan joban joban whatever i don't know um and anthony smith um they both looked incredible i do just have to say alan got this weird haircut and he's been trying to grow it out for like two or three weeks now i've noticed in the post fight shows really and they like gave him like a line but it's not to the side enough so it's like (laughs) it's not a middle part either they didn't do him dirty like that but it ain't looking right um and the fighters venom gear had some new texture on the hoodies and color combinations that were also pretty cool for mma fashion i wrote the mma fashion notes and they were pretty lame but great job giving the delivery bib and i think that because we definitely got some positive feedback for the minneapolis thing what i want to do is have the studio set up while we're watching fights so we could just hit record and just say hey this is what they're actually wearing and it looks dope because in the moment we were so hype about it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then, true. Uh, you know, a couple of days happen and then work and then, you know, head, yep. head trauma. Right. Good guy alert. Woo! GSP, we last saw a fucking fight five years ago live at MSG for my birthday, which is crazy because it feels like yesterday. He's officially out of his UFC contract and he's going to be able to do other things. This weekend, it was the first step in his freedom as he was hanging around the Showtime event of Paul vs. Silva, which Billy Alexander sounds exactly like his dad by saying, he texted me, he's like, 
that was fixed. Exactly. Oh my god! <laughs> I hope we see GSP doing something really fun, like high level jujitsu tournament or boxing someone worthy. Um, and you're just a good guy, GSP. Love you. Guess what? There was a Bellator event in Milano. <laughs> Literally, that's it. We have fucking nothing to say about it because Bellator sucks. But it is worth noting that Fabian Edwards, Leon's little brother, won. Guess he got that rub. And we just want to say again for any new listeners that we love Bellator and we want it to do better. And that's why we're upset when we say it sucks because it's freaking impossible to find replays or any information about what happened. Ending off the segments of MMA or Holy Head Surface Classics, it's, you know who kind of looks like my brother? And it's the OG, babe. You know who kind of looks like my brother? Who, babe? Khalil Roundtree. He won via split decision over the weekend, and Google him. He kind of looks like my brother. I feel like we thought this previously and mentioned it. We definitely. So OG like is one of the first yeah, people that we, we ever said. Definitely need you all to Google. And it's Khalil Roundtree. K-H-A-L-I-L. And I thought it was like Round Tree, like the motel. Yeah, or people something. say both of his names incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by you, babe. 35 years ago today, you packed up your diaper bag and said, No more farming for me. I'm moving to the big city in the United States of America to have all my potential stolen from me by a Greek American boy who's obsessed with me. <laughs> Hold the hands at throwfist.com for all your, all your happy pill merchandise.